Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle. He don't ever get a rattle, he just goes till the sun goes down. Welcome to Food Chat. This is Chef Jackson Lamb along with Greg Bloom. And we are at Food Chat talking about everything that has to do with food. How it's grown, how it gets to you, how it's prepared. Um, why are we qualified to do this? You know, I've been in the hospitality industry for about 40 years and uh, I've been a chef, I've been a general manager, and I've been a food guy all my life. Greg, what's your background? Well, hey, Chef Jackson, my, my uh, story is that I have been on the, the supply side. I grew up on a farm in Colorado, and I've worked in six different USDA food plants over the last 30 years. So I know how to, the food gets in the box from the field, but after it gets in the box, I really don't know what to do with it. That's your department. Yeah. The consumer's side. Right. Very good. Well, listen, we've got a terrific guest speaker today, uh, Chef Elise Wiggins. Uh, Elise and I have a long history. Uh, Elise, I think, is 25 years old. Uh, if, if at we, least. If we go, <laughs> at, you know, at least. I think we go back to 1996. So, in any event, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Elise Wiggins, she's with... Uh, uh, Catavella restaurant here in Denver, but she is an expert in actually many cuisines, but we're talking about Italian today. So with that, Elise, can you uh, uh, open up by talking about your background and how you got interested in food and then specifically uh, Italian as you drifted into that? I know that you have a big history with Costa Rican and uh, uh, Central American coastal cuisine, but tell us a quick story. Yeah, so um, thanks for having me on the show. Love you, love you, love you for so long. But um, yeah, so I, I say that it started coming out of my mama's womb. I had a tongue in one hand and a spatula in the other. I just knew at a young age um, that I wanted to be a chef and uh, watched Julia Child, and I was always in the kitchen with my both parents and um and so where Italian came from, I grew up in the South, I grew up in Louisiana, um, is that my mama would spend her summers in Italy. And she always had the flair for the dramatic when she would cook dinners. And she would always cook a meal that she actually had when she would, um, they would stay in a, a house and they'd have a chef come in. And so she was always interested in cooking and she would go in and she'd learn about the dish. So she would literally turn lights off, light candles, and then put photos of her down you know, wherever she was in Italy at the time, and then would tell us about the food or the dish um, that we were eating. And I was hooked. I mean, the ambiance, um, the food itself. I love history and stories. And um, I was like, I want to go there because it's hot in, in Louisiana. And the photos she had were, you know, snow-dotted mountains and everything. I was like, oh, I got to go there. And so I had been on a, uh, on a quest ever since um, to go. And as soon as I could save up enough money, um, I went and, and connected with chefs and, and had them. And each and every time, um, you know, I would have a chef connect me with another chef and I would go back and then study with them and it would just continue to go on. And I'd been doing that for 
ooh, 28 years. Um, COVID had me stop. I mean, I'm, I'm 53, and I still still go and study with other chefs um, to, to learn different things. And um, my thing here at Cat Tavella, which is my restaurant, um, is that I like to bring re- recipes um, back that people just don't know about. They're very kind of niche and very from, from small areas. Um, but always with big history, because, um, I, again, I love the history. So when you come to my restaurant, you will often see dishes that you're just not familiar with, you know, focaccia directo, pasticcio, um, a lot of dishes like that. You'll love it, um, but it's not your typical, okay, we've got lasagna and raviolis, you know, that everybody's really familiar with. But that's kind of my, my background real quick. Yeah. You know, uh, briefly, we had a talk last week about spaghetti and meatballs when we both laughed. That's yes. not an Italian dish. That was an American it, dish, right? It is very American. And the thing is, like, I don't ever want to offend anybody. You know, when people come in and say, where are your spaghetti and meatballs? You know, we just make it for them because we make all our pastas in-house and we do have polpettes or meatballs. Um, and we'll just, we'll give it to them because um, I want everybody just to enjoy their, their dinner. However, it is an American invention and it was done so because you know, people in the United States way back when, usually around the 50s um, and even into the 40s, didn't know Italian food. Um, and they, you know, when people don't know what to eat, they, they're afraid of it. So they, they kind of changed it and altered it to be more approachable to the American palate. And obviously it worked. And spaghetti meatballs are delicious, but it is not Italian. And another funny thing is I always hear from the Italians is that, this Alfredo thing. They're like, who is Alfredo? Like, you know, when they say fettuccine Alfredo, again, that's uh, that's not Italian, but they, they always like, who is this Alfredo? <laughs> but uh, once again, I mean, Alfredo is delicious. It is American invention, but it is not authentic Italian. There's, there's quite a few. Pepperoni pizza also, I know that's sacrilege. They do have a salumi pizza, and it might be a little spicy, but um, the, the term pepperoni pizza actually does not exist. I love it. Very good. Hey, Lisa, this is Greg. You know, I don't know that much about Italian food per se because I've never been to Italy, so I've never enjoyed authentic Italian food, at least in country. But, you know, over here, I guess I'm used to the uh, chain accounts that have uh, not, like you were just saying, you know, they, they, they serve things that you won't find in Italy. But from your perspective of, like, authentic Italian foods, what are... What are your favorites to prepare and enjoy? And what is your recommendation for someone like me that's getting older and trying to eat less carbs? And, you know, I think Italian food, I think lots of bread and lots of pasta, which I don't really want to eat that much anymore. So tell us about your favorite Italian foods to prepare and enjoy and then a recommendation for an older guy like me. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Greg. Um, nice to meet you on here. Um, I, I will tell you, you know, here at Cattivella, um, my menu is from my travels all around Italy. And in Tuscany, they do a lot of rotisserie cooking, a lot. Um, wild game, um, you know, in Tuscany, the famous um, Bistecca alla Fiorentina is from that area. So they do a lot of grilling. Um, it's interesting if when you go there, and really all over Italy, but if near the vineyards, often you'll find if it's beside a mountain, there'll be a part that's carved out where they put a grill in the side of the mountain. So when the workers are working, um, they'll fire up the grill and cook something. And often they'll 
they might shoot a couple of game birds or a rabbit or something, and they'll just cook it up right there for lunch. I mean, oh, my God, so good. So you don't have to worry. I mean, again, the driving kind of marketing of Italian food is, has been pasta and pizza for a long, long time. And obviously, again, it's, everybody loves it. But you're right. Um, there is so much more Italian um, that is grilled and fresh, you know, like fresh veggies. I mean, they almost every Italian has their own little um, garden, um, and then usually with animals. Um, unless you live in a big city like Naples or something like that, um, almost everybody has their own garden and they're growing their own vegetables. Um, so if you came in here to Catabella, I would give you a choice of the rotisserie chicken that we do. Um, and we also often do um, whole wild boar on the rotisserie. And, um, and then the, if you go coastal, again, the Italians, they're, they're big into fish, you know. And so lots and lots of healthy um, options where you're, you're still Italian, you're still authentic, um, but you're not um, having to hit that heavy pasta um, or pizza. So I hear you saying uh, that uh, as far as the regionalization of Italian foods, you have coastal foods, and then you mentioned that up in Tuscany there's a lot of grilling. But is it is it as simple as there's northern and southern and coastal, or is there more regionalization that that you'd find traveling around Italy? Yeah, and actually, Italy is it's it's very similar to like the United States. You know how we have we say okay, well we have the South and we have the North, and then we have California West Coast. And, you know, if you really dive deeper, each of those regions kind of do their own food from, you know, Seattle all the way down to California. Um, and then, of course, you have Southern and barbecue and stuff like that. But Italy is very much like that. And it's an old, old country. <laughs> and so all of the influences have been from all over the world. And each region, um, especially if they're surrounded by a different country, um, all have been influenced by those other countries that are around. So case in point, if you go up to the northeast corner, um, which is right by Croatia, and then Austria, you know, literally you have a big German influence on the cuisine that's right there. And then uh, it's a Trentino of Um And so literally on the border of this town, it flips, and then it becomes a little bit more Italian. But again, cuisine is very different, and then we shot all the way down to the far right booth, like, say, by Bari, then we, there's a big Greek influence. Even um, the, 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 the type of um, housing that you see down there is completely different from the rest of Italy. So we could sit here and say, okay, we're going to go Marche, or, you know, we're going to go Puglia, or, you know, up to Piedmonte, where are we going to go? Because it's all going to be very different and then all very wonderful. Because one of the biggest questions people always ask me is that they're like, you know, where should I go in Italy? And I'm like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> what is the kind of, what is the favorite type of cuisine? And then the time of year that you're going. Um, so the, the answer is very, very broad. I always try and hear people in the fall. I say, hey, go up to Piedmonte and go to the White Truffle Festival um, because it's the largest in the world, and you can get truffles for, like, cheap, cheap, cheap there, and it's just a very decadent cuisine because it's influenced by the French. Um, and they even have their own kind of dialect, which is a cross between French and Italian, with some different words, right? It's not just a pure blend. But anyway, 
I could go on and on and on about that, but each region is, is totally different um, and influenced, you know, historically, you know, through the years. For example, like Tuscany, that was like the center and the mecca of um, the Renaissance. And so Catherine de' Medici really helped facilitate that. Well, the spice route from China would come through the top of, of Italy, through the, the uh, Veneto region, and then come down through, you know, um, the central part of Italy and then out the front of the boot. And the only people that could afford these exotic spices, such as cinnamon and everything that came from Asia, was royalty, was the, the wealthy. And um, so Tuscan cuisine has hints of cinnamon in it, so when people try... You know, for example, my pasticho, there's like a hint of cinnamon in it, and they're just like, what, what? I don't get why there's cinnamon in here. And they think that it's slightly sweet because we as Americans only think of cinnamon in the use of something sweet. And um, But back then it was only the wealthy could afford it. And so, the, again, there's just all these history and the influences and stuff. So I, I hope that answers your question. I can go on and on. Very good, Elise. Hey, you, so... We touched on the term regional cuisine, and um, I remember back in the day when uh, you were a student of mine, and I think yeah. that the chefs were trying to put together a book called American Regional Cuisine. And, you know, of course, we had said to Chef Perel, what are you doing here? But uh, end product was, you know, we looked at the United States, and uh, we came down to 10 specific regions. New England, Middle Atlantic, Deep South, uh, Floribian, so um, et cetera, et cetera. So, but Italy is exactly the same, where we have a lot of regionality, and mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of that is based on, as you mentioned, the history and the culture of mm-hmm. of what has gone on. The other issue, and again, I've, I've been to Rome, and I haven't gone out into the hinterland like you have, but. We really have several different dialects of uh, Italian being spoken all over the country, don't we? Oh, absolutely. Again, if you're in Piedmonte, which is the very top northwest corner, it is the combination of French and Italian, but also various words. So, like, I grew up speaking French um, because it's like our state language. Um, But even for me, there are words that I just could not figure out, and, and it wasn't until I talk to someone and be like, yeah, this is kind of our own dialect. And so even within those areas, and mountains sometimes would separate different towns, and so their dialect would evolve in a different way. Um, And then when you go down further, the Italian that is spoken um, in Sicily is very different than, say, mainland Italy. and so, again, and then, like I was saying, down by Bari, they had a big Greek influence. And so, again, you have various dialects um, that are very different. Um, but it just makes it all that more interesting, you know? Absolutely fantastic stuff. Greg, why don't you take the next one? Thank you. Hey, uh, you know, Chef Jackson and I were talking before the show about the Italian restaurant food scene here in Colorado. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, very few people that I know actually know how to cook proper Italian food at home. I mean, opening up uh, a can of uh, spaghetti and meatballs doesn't count, you know, so, yeah. or, or a can of pre-made marinara, you know, it's okay in a pinch, but what, what are some easy to prepare Italian dishes that anyone can be successful cooking? I, I'm, I'm of the, the, I just believe that everyone should know how to do like one thing well from every yeah. culture. So what would, what would be a, be a one you'd suggest? So, 
one of the things that I always try and drive home to people is that Italian food is not um, very often complex. Their, their thing is the best ingredients, the freshest ingredients. Um, and then, you know, it's the, it's the technique that is used to let those ingredients shine. So, so case in point, um, if you have, let's say you're not going to make fresh pasta, um, because there are various recipes for that. But in a garlic and olive oil pasta, I have it here. Um, the, 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 it is one of the most popular pastas I have. It's very simple, but the flavors are, are bright and killer. So it's just chopped garlic, really good extra virgin olive oil. You really need to invest in, like, sometimes the ingredients are expensive, but... Um, they're worth it. So if you get a really good extra virgin olive oil and some fresh chopped garlic, not out of the jar, you know, chop it up yourself, heat up a pan, put the olive oil, garlic, a little bit of what people call crushed chili um, flake, um, or you could do a fresh chili out of your garden if you have one. Um, quick toss, fresh Italian parsley because it's lemony, not the curly parsley, um, but the fresh Italian parsley. After you cook the pasta, pasta water is key to all pastas. It helps to kind of get this sauce to give the starch. Give it a quick toss, just a little bit of that sauce, and then your Parmigiano-Reggiano. Again, the, if you can get 24 months, that's the best. Uh, we're not, that's one of the best. You can get 36 months, but you don't have to break the bank. Um, but just a simple, quick toss of that. And, man, I mean, that's all you need. It is so good, and it's just, it's, it's hard to mess up. It really is. Um, but that's one of the other things. But the other thing is that, like, you know, really good cheeses, you know, one of the things is that grocery stores, you know, they're trying, but they just don't have all of the, the great cheeses. And, again, I know they're expensive, but the thing is you could save some money on a cheese that's not aged as well, but guess what? You're not going to have enough flavor, so you're going to find yourself dumping more and more cheese on or even adding salt. And so you're going to end up spending that money because you're going to need more of those items. Um, where I would just always recommend get a wedge of 24 months, go to a real cheesemonger. I always say people, people can, I sell stuff all the time at my cost because I want people to have good ingredients. Um, but y'all can, whoever wants to call Catabella, just call us and tell us how much you want to buy. Call them, I'm the Italian dealer. And you can buy those ingredients for me. Um, and one thing, speaking of cheeses, is that when you have an aged cheese, plastic is your enemy because it is living and it's breathing. And so you want to wrap that up loosely with aluminum foil or kind of parchment paper or butcher paper, but never tight because you want it to continue to breathe. All you're doing is continuing to allow that cheese to age. So even if you get the dry little crusty bits, that's great, you know. Um, even for cheddar, I always tell people with cheddar, like I'll age my cheddar. I had one for like over a year, and it just literally becomes Parmesan, um, but in a cheddar form. So anyway, take care of your cheeses. You know, they're worth the money. Don't get pre-ground because the, the grocery stores or whoever often put anti-caking agents in there. Whole Foods, I know for a fact, does not. They grind their Parmigiano um, fresh. So if you want it ground, you can go to there. But I would not go to a grocery store and get one that's pre-ground for you. But uh, anyway, I hope that that is, uh, you know, 
simple enough. That's, that's And uh, just so that we're all clear, that's the aglio e olio, correct? Exactly. All exactly. right. That's good. Hey, you know, again, coming back to this regionality thing, um, you know, I can get a burger anywhere in the U.S. I can get wings anywhere. I can get, uh, I can get nowadays, I can get tacos anywhere. That's really not the case in Italy. They're very regional. And uh, I think a lot of times tourists will go over not understanding the cuisine of a specific region and they're ordering yeah. something from another region. Hey, that's not what we do here. Yeah. Well, I mean, some things like pizza, everybody kind of got in on that. You can get pizza all the way up in, you know, um, Venice um, and Piemonte. Not a lot, but you can. And it's because they know that the tourists are looking to that. They think of, you know, spaghetti with meatballs, and then they think pizza. But they are, you're right. They're very proud people. They have been, like, um, refining their technique to their regional dish for hundreds and hundreds, maybe over a thousand years. They've been fine-tuning this stuff. Um, and so I always, like, encourage people to find out or do pre-research um, of what is, you know, the local specialty, and then you you get that. And even if you get, like, you could go to um, Tuscany and have the Bisecca um, of Fiorentina at every restaurant, you know? So it's not like here in the States, it's like, okay, what do we feel like tonight? We feel like Asian or, you know, like, or Japanese, or we feel like, I don't know, Russian. We, we have, like, a mix. You know, here in the States, we like to kind of mix it up a little bit. But over there, it's, for the most part, Italian, 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 Italian. But then you're like, okay, do I feel like uh, rotisserie? Or do I feel like pizza? Or do I feel like, you know, pasta? Because they, they hyper-focus on a couple of dishes. They don't want to be, quote, great and have this huge menu where it's like, oh, I've got, you know, 30 items choose from you just get a few items and especially when you're off the beaten path and out of kind of like the cities you know you're I always encourage people when you do travel to Italy not hard to drive there um, but I encourage you to get out and you can't go wrong just go to a tiny little mom-and-pop restaurant and eat their food and you will just be blown away you're gonna be like oh my god this is like a Michelin star restaurant not in service, but in food and flavor, right? Um, they're just like, just know that if you've never been to Italy, um, their hours of, of dining are completely different from ours, you know? <laughs> I, I remember the, the first time I went, you know, I overslept because of jet lag, and we got into town around, oh, I don't know, I think it was like 10.30 or something like that, and, and then they are like, everything's closed. <laughs> And even past lunch, and it's like you got an hour window to kind of stuff in a lunch, and then they're closing. They don't open up until seven o'clock at least to start dinner. So I always recommend people to like be aware of the the hours of their operation. But um, but anyway, yeah, wonderful. Hey, I to that end, my wife and I were in Rome about five years ago. So it's it's ten o'clock at night. Let's go for a walk, you know. And we walk down towards the Colosseum and. You know, that's all pretty interesting. But as we're walking back, here's this restaurant that's open. We went in there. It was one of the best experiences we ever had. We had the, uh, you know, the artichokes three ways. That's uh, fairly popular in the, in the Rome area. But uh, mm-hmm. 
it was, you know, all of a sudden the food came to the table and I looked at my wife and I said, do you know what time it is? She says, no. I said, it's quarter to 12. And so yeah. it's totally different there. Hey, I've got one more food question, I think, which is kind of loaded, and that is pasta varieties. Uh-huh. Again, in the regionality of things, um, you know, tortellini might be popular in one area and not in the other. And, you know, of course, we've all seen Lydia on TV. How many different types of pasta shapes are there? Oh, yeah. there's, a, And again, you know, Italians are very proud people, but they're also very competitive. And even within the same town, they want to separate themselves on what everybody else is doing. You know, it's kind of like just like all of his chefs. We, we're competitive people, so we want to... You know, we always want to do something different and be known for that. But if we, if you go back to the history of pasta, um, really, and, and, and various regional cuisines, we've been talking about regions here, but Italians, they use what's around them, and then they use what they can afford. So whatever grows naturally in that area, that's what they use, and it often reflects in the cuisine. So, again, I keep talking about Piemonte. Let's go far north to the west right on the border of France, they have a famous pasta called the tagerine pasta, and it is made with pure egg yolks. No egg whites, um, no olive oil, no, just pure egg yolks. Um, and it is really rich. Um, and it's classically served with um, truffles. And, um, but then if you go further down south, um, down to the Naples area, there's a lot of just pure semolina. You know, so in the Rome and Naples area, you know, the extruded pasta was created down there. So, you know, those are hardy, hardy flowers that grow because um, it's a drier, harsher environment. And so those high-protein flowers, the semolina, can withstand being forced through a dye. And so the Southern Italians created the dried pasta for preservation's sake. Um, and so, and again, I always, people sometimes like knock dried pasta, but no, I mean, dried pasta is just preserved and it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It is delicious, um, you know, but if, again, if you go further north and you use fresh pasta and you use a zero, zero flour, it's more tender and, um, you know, it absorbs the, the, the flavor quickly as far as your sauces are concerned. So, you know, you're right. They're all very different. And, you know, it's funny because when I teach classes, you know, I'll, sometimes I'll come in and be like, well, you know, my Nona didn't make it this way. And I'm like, you know, every Nona is right. You always say that. Every grandma's right. <laughs> you know, I always ask, what region are you from? You know, where's your family from? Where, where exactly is she from? And that is the recipe that she has learned, you know. And so there's, there is no wrong or right, um, but there's definitely hyper-regions. Very, very cool. All right. Hey, we're about to wrap up the show. Thanks for coming on the show. It's been so interesting. We could talk for a lot longer. But uh, tell our yeah. listeners how, how they find your restaurant, uh, because we'd like to send everyone in the Denver metro area that way. And a website. Yeah. Oh, right. Absolutely. So it's Cat Civella, C-A-T-T-I-V-E-L-L-A. If you forget how to spell that, just look up The Naughty Chef. That's me. You'll find me, Elise Wiggins, and then you'll see everything connected to Catabella. And which, by the way, Catabella means mischievous young girl. So naughty, mischievous, same thing. Um, but we're located here in the Central Park neighborhood of Denver. So that's the far northeast corner of Denver. 
and uh, we are open um, Monday through Saturday from 5 o'clock um, till 10 o'clock. And again, I do cooking classes, so if you've enjoyed this and you want to do, go to our website and uh, catabellasdenver.com, and you'll be able to see all the things that I'm doing. Um, I also take people on tour groups to Italy, and I've got one coming up in October. So if anybody's interested, I do have two slots left. Um, but anyway, but thank you, gentlemen, so much for having me on. It's been an honor. Elise, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I've been up to the restaurant. I've, it's been a while. i got to get up there again. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I'm looking forward to having hopefully both of y'all. Thank you, Elise. All right, Elise. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Today's episode of Food Chat is brought to you by RanchFreshMeats.com. RanchFreshMeats.com has the best selection of beef, bison, wagyu, air-chilled chicken, turkey, and duroc pork, and more, all sourced from the family farms and ultra-clean USDA plants that they know personally. Take the mystery out of where your meat comes from and how the animals were cared for and buy your family's meats at RanchFreshMeats.com. Hey, save 10% on your first order by using food chat at checkout orders over two hundred dollars include free shipping ranchfreshmeats.com here's to the farmer the plants the fields and the spring the turn from green to that harvest honey hold one up for the banker downtown they got him on his feet with handshake money here's to the farmer's wife And a son, raising a daughter. They gather around the table, send it up to the father. Somehow they get closer when times get harder. Here's to the farmer. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.